Hey, and welcome to This Creative Life, conversations with creatives on creativity and how we can cultivate, inspire, and nourish our creative souls. I'm your host, Danielle of Studio Start, and today I'm having a beautiful chat with designer Michelle Brito Manfrey of Romico, based in Phoenix, Arizona. We chat about finding creative balance through a meaningful and thoughtful design process and the power of just simply doing the work that makes you happy and how important it is to accept and nurture our mental health through creation. Oh, hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate yeah. it. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Yeah. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Danielle, for having me. Danielle's also my sister's name. I don't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awesome to be here. Um, a little bit of relief in a crazy, crazy time. Um yeah, I'm excited to share my journey. So, like, tell us how you got to Romico. Like, how did this happen? Tell us about your design journey and having a creative life. Yeah, so I think my creative life started when I was young. Uh, my grandma was a painter, so I was always around it. My sister kind of took that on and um, actually pursued painting. So I was around it, but I never was interested in the creative arts in that way. I was more into interior design. So like growing up, I was like always changing my room around. Like my mom gave me a sewing machine and I was like making bedspreads and like using a hot glue gun and like gluing things together. And that's how um, I expressed myself creatively, like in the beginning, pretty much from a young age thought I was going to be an interior designer. Um, and I actually went to school for interior design. And it was in university that I took my first art class, which is really embarrassing to say that I didn't even take an art class before that. I was just like, I'm just going to be an interior designer. That's what I'm going to do. And I quickly found that um, interior design actually wasn't for me. <laughs> it was a lot more technical and a, I, not as free as I expected it to be. So yeah, I started taking just some liberal art classes and kind of, I mean, obviously I knew what graphic design was. We all kind of knew what it was. I just didn't know it was going to be for me, but changed majors to that kind of on a whim and the rest is history. Not history, it's actually just beginning because then I graduated during a recession and didn't find a job and was like putting all these like things together. Like I had t-shirts made, sending resumes, doing all the things to try to get a job and like couldn't. <laughs> and so I took on um, an internship even after graduating college at like a small studio in a woman's basement <laughs> and was working there. And she was like really old school. And I learned a lot from her. Shout out to Cheryl from Gotcha Design. Yeah. And that's how, of how it started. And then Romy Co. really didn't happen until five years ago. So after Gotcha, I did like, I was kind of always dabbling, doing stuff for friends and I did my friend's wedding invites and that's when somebody saw them, one of her guests. And then I um, got a job through that as like at a PR agency and doing freelance pretty consistently. So then I left Gotcha and then was doing freelance for this PR agency, which was a learning experience. And that's like pretty much where I stayed until I started Romico. Yeah, look, to be honest, I would probably look at your invites too and want to hire you, like just putting it out there. I don't want to sound naff and like kind of cheesy when I say this, but 
you are like such an inspiration not only to me but to so many designers and I think it is because you are I, I really feel like your work is you I don't know how to explain it I just feel like it is so you and I remember I first started following you um when you had just kind of started sharing I think it was the Isetta branding yeah with the shapes the organic shapes of the car like see I remember yes and those were all based I, on the car yeah and it was just like I don't want to say like ah oh, like groundbreaking but I was like it was so clever to me that it was something so simple and I think in our industry it always seems to be made into this bigger harder thing if that makes sense like and I think that there's a real testament to your not only just like from your interior design journey as well but like you really do think in a different way in my opinion when it comes to design and just I don't know like it it's actually helped me so much in my own design practice and like it just wanting to do better if that makes sense just wanting and I feel that every day like I just want to do better yeah yeah I feel like we're all like trying yeah. to just push ourselves and um, find new approaches to the same thing and I think that yeah well I mean that's the best compliment thank you <laughs> I like we you have thank a fan you. club like come on uh look I mean we were talking earlier about just the state of the world and being really thoughtful just with everything going on in the world all the things that we're seeing what we're processing like it's hard to do things in a really thoughtful way in it when everything is so personal and and what is personal to us doesn't equate to personal and thoughtful to someone else and it's hard anyway what I was coming to with the thoughtfulness I know that you are like essentially your brand value is essentially creating thoughtful design and so I wanted to know like especially in the climate of everything going on you know what does thoughtful design mean to you and thoughtful creativity and you know how do you incorporate the thoughtfulness into your process and the million dollar question is like do you have thoughtful clients i think that's a great question how do i bring thoughtful design into my work and it really does come from having thoughtful clients um i'm 36 years old now so i've been around the block a few i'm there times with you I've, don't worry <laughs> 36. Yeah. i feel like i've gotten to the place with my clients that i can charge more and be choosy and invest everything into them. And when I'm saying invest everything into them, like I think my process in the beginning was like emails and kind of like guessing like what they want. But now I wanna like talk to them. I wanna Zoom them. I wanna like know what you want. I wanna see like an image that you think that encapsulates your brand. Um, I don't wanna see typography or any other things that you know you like. I want to see like something that you find provocative that excites you so it can excite me because I think the whole point of this career um, and why um, I stick with it, even though it's really hard, is because I get to do something new with each client, something that I wouldn't think of and push myself and as a designer because they're coming to me with their own everything, their own sense of ideas and what inspires them and I get to facilitate that. And so I think a lot of the process is just like listening. Yeah. It's just like really getting to know them and making sure that you can charge efficiently, that you can get to know them. And it's not like you're too overwhelmed. And I think that where I'm at now, I know how much I can handle. 
and like where, where my burnout is. And I, I don't try, I, unless something like really exciting and I can't say no to, um, like a Sherman, Sarah Sherman Samuel knocks on my door, like, yes, I'll stop everything for you. But like, I, I have to be choosy because my clients will benefit from that. I will benefit from that. Um, and I think that the design is just better if we can just slow down and not take on so much. I really love that you have kind of like focused on that because I think there's such a pressure when you graduate to just do everything. And yes, you totally need to have some experience. You totally need to learn and things like that. But I feel like it's kind of is a mindset that then sets us up through our career to just be on this level of like scarcity and like, you know, just constantly running on the wheel, trying to get stuff done, keeping um, momentum. And I don't know, like for me, I really struggled moving into that, that, that kind of level of, okay, no, this is not working for me. I can be pickier now because it just gets, it can be so scary. Like, how did you overcome just feeling like, no, I'm going to be picky and it's actually a good thing because I can give everything to my clients. Like, how did you kind of work to that point? I think it took, took time. I mean, I don't think I really hit that until this year, honestly, if I'm being honest. Um, I said yes to a lot of things and a lot of things excited me. And a lot of times there's clients that didn't have the budget and I still really wanted to do it. So, I mean, I think that's a really hard balance, but I think that there's, yeah, I think that it just takes time, especially with, as you're developing your style, like you're going to have to say yes to a lot of things. And as long as there's a value exchange in that and someone's appreciating your work, it's like, well, what is that value? Like I'm getting experience by doing a real world project and I'm also getting compensated for it. So it's just like, yeah, it's kind of hard to say no. And it's hard to, it's also hard to establish that value. But I think once you get, you know, you're, you're saying more people are knocking and, you know, you can raise your rates and they're not getting scared. I think you can slowly do it to your comfort level. And it took me a while um, to get to that level. But yeah, I think it's, you go, just kind of go at your own rate and what you feel comfortable doing and charging and taking on. I actually think the pandemic was kind of a catalyst for that mindset shift because you kind of, I think for me, especially it really, I don't know, like it just brought things into focus for me and going, okay, what's important to me? My, my mental health is really important to me. And that in itself is not worth any kind of dollar sign and it's you know reminding yourself that at the end of the day you're your biggest asset to your business and you want to be able to create beautiful things right but you can't really do that when you are feeling undervalued unvalidated tired burnt out you know like you have to be at some kind of level where you're you know literally functioning <laughs> so it's like yeah it's like you know i really feel like the pandemic has helped us shift a little bit in the sense of um, not being scared to say no and trying to prioritize yeah. your own needs first because, you know, you can't make other people happy. What, what's the thing? You know, you can't love someone else until you love yourself. Like you've got to kind of support yourself. You've got to have your own back. Yeah. I think talking about mental health is something that's really important in a creative world. The pandemic was a big eye opener for me too, because I always worked from home alone. I, like I always did. And so having my husband now work from home and seeing him be a sounding board to like him kind of witnessing how I work. And I think that him seeing, I, I don't know if I've talked about this. I don't think I have, but I have ADD 
And so my husband seeing that I have ADD was, I've been in denial about it my whole life. I've been diagnosed it twice and I've been diagnosed it a third time. And I think that him seeing it and coming to terms with that mental health and, you know, kind of owning it. I think I've been kind of chasing it my whole life and accepting it has also helped my creative work and focus and all that and coming to terms like maybe it's not the work. Maybe there's something going on that really the work is kind of triggering. But I think that getting your mental health in check is really, really huge because anything else can be extremely triggering, especially in this world, like it's important to. And I think that the conversation around neurodivergence and just like anything outside of the air quotes norm, cause like what is normal? But, you know, I think the conversations are getting louder now. It's, I don't want to say it's more that it's accepted because like, quite frankly, that's kind of messed up if it's not being accepted at this point. But I think it's more about, it's it's somebody is not scared to come forward and say hey yeah i've actually got that too you know and it's amplifying everybody's experiences so it's nobody's feeling as alone anymore and nobody's feeling like this is just such a random and also shameful thing because i know when i was growing up i i know that you know there used to be whispers about the kid that has add and it's just like oh he's crazy like and it's always this really horrible negative ridiculous kind of judgment and especially when you're kids like you don't think anything of it and i think the i think it's really great that it's actually being kind of amplified now because it's not as simple as just like a mood change or something like that there are so many more things going on with that but i also think there's superpowers like behind those kinds of things as well once you kind of harness once you know like how you feel within yourself within your own diagnosis you know what you need you know what you don't need yeah you know what i mean and you can kind of work it to to your benefit and to those around you and you know what i mean like you can feel a lot more comfortable with it as well so yeah exactly once you have some self-awareness about what's going on in your situation you're not running from your problems and you're accepting them and dealing with them everything else in your life is going to kind of fall into place. Is it going to be perfect? Fuck no, nothing is ever perfect. But yeah, but having that self-awareness and be like, okay, yeah, maybe that is why I'm getting up every 15 minutes and why I am feeling so overwhelmed when really all this stuff is within my capability. Like, okay, like what is going on right now? It's, It's not the work. I mean, I love doing what I do, but I was definitely feeling that burnt out. And I know we're going to talk about burnout at some point, but is it burnout or is it something else that's going on? Like, like, you know, what is it? I think for, for me personally, cause I really did kind of think about whether I had ADD or ADHD and it was more because I was just constantly up and down and up and down and like one minute I'm great. And then the next minute I'm like the smallest thing will trigger me and it'll be like, eh. and I know that that doesn't summarize what ADD and ADHD is. They're just little pieces of the puzzle. Um, but it was enough for me to go like, has something happened? What is, you know, and to, to actually try to learn and understand as well and realizing like, oh, wow, like this is not, I don't want to say not a big deal, but like, this is not what everyone makes it out to be like, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. You're not this weird person. It's manageable yeah. and it's just being, and it's, you know, aware of. Yeah. And the stigma is not there. Well, I, I believe exactly. the stigma is lessened massively but you know it's that kind of self-awareness of trying to actually take stock of what is going on around you when you're working because i think creativity is so personal and 
I know for me, and I had a great chat with Morgan about this actually. I love that chat, chat, by the way. Um, I love Morgan. Just her touching on validation and I realised like how is invalidated a word? Yeah, I think it is. Invalidated I felt last year especially with um, my clients and it's hard because part of it's like, oh, well, that's a personal thing. It's how I'm processing things and blah, 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 blah. And then it's hard because she's like, I don't want to throw it all into the client and have it be the client's issue. But then it's also like, well, there's also me not having boundaries and me not, you know, and so it's such a, it's a messy, messy little kind of knot that is hard to kind of unpick and you kind of have to, as I said, I I think Morgan really kind of hit the nail on the head for me personally, because I realized in that moment, that's what the root of why I've been so unhappy in my design business, because I'm just like, it's not about being the expert, but it's like, I just really would like someone to listen to me sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I hate that word expert, unpopular opinion. I hate it. We're creative professionals. We're not experts. I think that you're the professional in this situation and you're not being treated as such. And that can feel really awful. But you know what? You're learning from these experiences. Fuck, I've had many of those. And they make me want to quit. And my time at that PR agency, I was so undervalued and underappreciated. And But I learned that that's not acceptable. And, you know, those red flags, like now I can kind of see them in a client and you know, you can kind of learn from that, uh, like, because you're doing it, like you're putting yourself out there with real world clients, and they're not always going to be amazing. So bravo to you for putting yourself out there, even though it does test you in ways that I mean, you really can't describe because it's such, like you said, personal work, and you're like, really wanting it to be amazing for them. There's times where I'm like, I'm just gonna Romy code this stuff. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go wild. And I'm gonna be like, super in the process like I'm not kidding <laughs> and then I'll try to do that and I'll be like no Romeo today <laughs> like it's it's not getting like you know explorative and stuff and like it's so frustrating for me and I know that a part of it's like look at the end of the day if the client's happy who cares but then it's a part a part of it's for me is like I just want to play and explore and and really take that process and be thoughtful you know be really thoughtful about things and you know, I was having this conversation actually with Laura, who is the last guest, and um, she had done these beautiful, beautiful collateral designs. And, you know, I said, I wish I could just do that. Like, so many clients are just like, oh, I've only got this much money and I can't do anything else. And it really, like, it stopped me from wanting to dream big now for them because I'm just like, what's the point? Like, it's hard. It's another conversation for another day I think (laughs) it's hard but it's also hard to stop because like you're you're given a real world experience and then you want to take it to that next level and you're not feeling valued so then you stop but like just still go for it (laughs) that's what I say if you're feeling inspired in that project show them it like show them what it could be and get on a zoom with them and say why you think it should be that way I think like having that connection with a client, having them see your face, having them hear your voice, having them hear you talk about the design only rides at home and builds confidence in yourself too, to like, look at it, look at what you're designing in an objective way. Because I think that we're really raw about it. 
And when we can remove ourselves from it and start talking about it objectively, I think that that's, it saves us mentally and also kind of helps the client think about it in an objective way too. Yeah, I love that. Um, I guess like on that, you know, how do you prioritize creativity in between client projects? And I know you've got two little ones and I've seen like the beautiful, creative, fun things you've done, like especially for you, like your daughter's birthday party and the cards and the little um, sculpture and all of that kind of stuff. Like that looks so fun. Was it fun? Oh my gosh, yes. I love doing that stuff. Honestly, though, like a lot of my creativeness is taken up with my client work. Like it does fulfill that need for me. But I mean, it does like shift. Like I feel it. It's like in all aspects. Like right now, we're working on our house and, you know, with the kids. Um, whenever I don't, when I feel like there, there's just more creative juices I need to get out or I just need to like do something creative with my hands just to like not think about anything. I really only like to have like one true diving in new creative project at a time. So like I normally have like five, this is like getting off on a tangent and that's, you know, whatever. The tangent. But I generally have like, let's go five to seven or like five clients at a time, but only one's a new client. So I'm really focusing only on new designs, like one client at a time. So everything else is kind of I don't want to say autopilot because it's not auto, um, but I'm not using those fresh creative juices. Yeah, it's it's so if safe and it's familiar. On, so it's it's already been yes, there. Yeah. Yes, it's established. So like that it's kind of like running itself and I don't have to like torture myself in a way to like come up with this new best idea. Um, I can only really handle one of those at a time. And that's generally what I'm only thinking about. And that kind of consumes me. So if I can line up my timeline like that, where I just have one new project and everything else is in autopilot, I, I'm feeling good. I love that you actually talked about just having that one new client at a time kind of situation, because I think we all, and I mean, I could have this conversation to the cows come home, but we all have this feeling that we have to have like 70 new clients at one time. And I think at the end of the day, we just have to literally try to get to a quota where we know that's our limit. Because I know for me, I was really stunned. I always thought that I had to just have just everything going on at once and to 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 be considered and perceived as successful, right? And to and to look like, oh, this is my everyday job and I need to, I need to just be, you know, on it for eight hours a day, constantly doing stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I know that that's kind of where I guess we pull from the corporate world and how work should essentially look like but i was genuinely surprised i had a super busy month uh this time last year and i think i had like maybe nine clients going at the same time and that was a mix of like two brands two new websites and a whole bunch of other like social media and stuff like that and at first i was like oh my gosh look at me in demand i'm i'm business i'm a girl boss you know i am Raise your rates. I am. You need to raise your rates. <laughs> and it was, and it was insane. And it was actually just, you know, I don't. I'm not at all saying I'm not grateful for the work. I just mean like I knew then that I'd hit my limit. Like that was the, that was the kind of the last straw. And it was like, no, this is not actually conducive for my mental health, but even for my creativity, I wasn't able to come up with new concepts I wasn't able to just be inspired as a whole like I was just like next 
next conveyor belt you know just yeah keep it going what's it called the line factory yeah, line I got the visual i can see it's it. just like boxes of creativity that are like half like smooshed and half open that's just not how and, it works and, it's not how it works and and but you kind of think because of society that that's how it has to work because you want to look successful and blah 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 and so it was really intriguing to think okay i finally found that kind of point where it's like no this isn't actually working and it's like what do you deem as being that that happy middle and i was really surprising because i was like oh well no i i would do it this way and that way and I think you have to go through that to come out the other side and realize how valuable your time is, how valuable your expertise is and like what you actually enjoy doing too. Like that's the whole, whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And how much time it actually takes. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've taken things on and not know, not knowing how long it would actually take me. So it is all a learning process and, scope changes and things change during the process. So allowing yourself time and also recognizing if you want to be a bigger studio or not. And that's just not something that I want to do. And I think that I have no shame in that. Like, I think it's beautiful that studios are growing around me and hiring and that that's what they want to do. Um, I just don't have, I have a couple of freelancers that I lean on when things get crazy, but for the most part, I really enjoy being creative. So like, I need to have the creative projects and um, I love working directly with clients and I don't know, I, I like it being how it is. I'd rather, you know, continue to charge my worth and work less and kind of hold tight to, you know, to that creativity. Um, and I think that choosing your own, your path doesn't have to look the same as everybody else's. And I mean, who gives a fuck what anyone else is doing? Like do what makes you happy. Like, yeah, I think we're so jaded in the social media world that we think that we need to do what someone else is doing. And, and the truth is, no one cares. <laughs> no one's like, no one cares. Just do what makes you happy and do what you can connect with and have real meaningful connections with clients and people like that word of mouth is going to seal the deal over your square. Um, so if you can work with people and do a great job, and they're going to recommend you and then see and resonate with your work, like, you're going to get the job. Uh, you have a, a real human connection that you've made and your work backs it up. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really glad you said that about the, you know, I don't want to say staying small like that, but just being a party of one, just a party of one. Yeah. I'm the exact same and I really enjoy all facets. And I, I think because of my previous background as well in like corporate. So I'm used to having all these little, hands in different pots and things like that and you know so many times i felt like i'm not going anywhere because i'm just this one person and then everyone's like oh well you should get a va and you should do this and you should do that and it's like the problem is i was a paea <laughs> like so it's just like a you're pretty much telling me to get someone else to do my job but i can do it like and it's 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 more like when you enjoy something don't take it away from your business if that's something you actually really enjoy don't take it away just because Instagram is telling you to take it away because that will make you look like you're scaling. And, and as you said, like, there's no, like, if that's what you want to do, if you want to like hands off the wheel and just let, make a little studio run awesome. But I'm with you. I'm totally with you in the sense of like, it just being you and you fostering those connections with clients and 
you really kind of taking the wheel on that. Yeah. And that's not saying the other way is bad because it's amazing. And that's just not my personality type. <laughs> I guess like on that, we talked a lot about just burnout. <laughs> We've turned, talked about burnout already and it's only 38 minutes in, but like, I want to know just like everyone, what are your biggest struggles when it comes to keeping creative? You know, how do you get through creative ruts and blocks? Uh, yeah. So I think that managing your client load is huge. So not taking on too many new projects at once that you're feeling so stretched and overwhelmed that you can't focus that creativity. I generally feel the burnout after I send first round of concepts. So like right now I'm starting a new client and like I'm in it. Like I am in the the creative process. And I think after I send that first round is generally when I feel like a little bit burnt out, like, okay, it's done, but it's just beginning, you know? <laughs> so I think that that's generally where I feel the most in this kind of like this, you know, beginning process of a, of a creative project, which is so strange because normally you think of burnout at the end, but I get the burnout in the beginning. But it's, I guess, because you're channeling all your energy into the creative process. And like, it's kind of nerve wracking when you're putting all these things together because you want to make sure you're reading the room. Like you've got the brief nailed. You, you know, you want to kind of follow what your intuition is, is showing you and what feels good and like, you know, what's on paper, especially. And it is that just channeling all that energy into creating stuff and just like hoping that they love it. Like that's, it's like a cliff, yeah. it's like a cliffhanger, you know? Exactly. And I'm human. So I get imposter syndrome too. Like we all do. And we can all have the same creative brief and then come about it a completely different way. And I think that's what's exciting about design, but also very, very nerve wracking. It's like, okay, is my take on this going to be the right take? And that'd be the right take that resonates mostly with the client. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm designing for the client and obviously thinking about the audience and, and all that in mind, but they have to approve it. So yeah, that's why the, that first part of the process is always, always so intense. <laughs> Just kind of segueing. I would love to know your thoughts on subjectivity because this is something I feel like I actually have a clause about subjectivity in my contract because I feel like for clients, I think, and I'm not at all trying to be negative about this, but for clients, I feel like there's this assumption that we can mind read <laughs> and that we can just exact, like just know exactly what they want. And, you know, in some cases they do, if they turn around and say like, I want exactly that. Okay. Like, sure. But how do you manage subjectivity with clients? Because it is such a deeply personal thing, creativity and art and design. And just as you're saying, like the whole, we can interpret things in so many different ways. Like I'm sure that we could be given the same brief and have total different uh, results and that's due to our life experiences, our inspirations, our study, uh, the stuff that we take on every single day as we're like subliminally processing stuff from Instagram. Like, so I guess, you know, when it comes to dealing with subjectivity with clients, like how do you manage that? Or do you not have any issues with that? And how I handle subjectivity and, um, a client varies on their design experience. So if a client has a creative background, I'm not so worried about handholding them through the process. And if it isn't a client with a creative background, 
So what I tend to tend to do with clients that don't have a creative background is during um, like our onboarding questionnaires and all that fun stuff and their Pinterest boards, I will put together a mood board with some very guttural initial logo concepts. And these aren't concepts, these aren't final in any way, but I find that if I put something guttural and a reaction down and we can have a conversation and talk about what we like and don't like about it, they can start getting on board with, okay, this is how my brain needs to work now. And this is how to communicate. And, oh, I don't, what is a sans serif? Oh, maybe I do like that. So I think it really depends on client to client and clients without a creative background. I think that I find that that helps a lot that you're showing them something to talk about, even in the mood boarding stage. You're like blowing my mind at the moment with all these like ideas. Cause I'm like, why didn't I think of doing something like that? Like, it's just really basic things that I'm kind of like, could have saved myself a lot of hassle. <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in the beginning where they're like sending me a typeface and I'm like, why did, how did it get to this? Like, that's bad on me that we aren't, I didn't recognize that, you know, I have no idea about design and I haven't helped you at all to even get on the mindset of talking about it. So I, you know, it's kind you can kind of tell like if based on your clients, just how they're talking about things, if they have, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know <laughs> what you're saying. So I guess like on, you know, keeping creativity, keeping up with creativity, like how do you know when your creative cup needs a refill? Like what are the signs that you're in need of some inspo and just some nourishment, you know? Yeah, I think I need it now. <laughs> um, it, like I said, it always happens in the beginning. We're actually, I'm tagging along on a work trip of my husband's and going to LA. And I think that that's like just getting and going and seeing something new, changing my environment and having some focused time to just like dive into this project is, is key. Like just get away, go somewhere. I don't know. Just do something. Try to, you know, there's nothing like that feeling of seeing something new for the first time. So maybe if there's something that you can do and maybe it's even just being at home and going on Pinterest and like, you know, seeing what's exciting you and thinking about why it excites you. It's, I always say this, but I think it's so crazy how, even though, we kind of think of creativity as this one visceral thing that we view creativity in such different ways. And like, you know, I'll say this so much and I'm yeah, podcast listeners are probably getting so bored of me having the same analogy, but it's like the whole, you know, creativity is paper and pens and paints and, you know, like that, like it's so fascinating how we can view it in such different ways on a personal level as to what creativity means, because like, I totally would think creativity is getting the paints out and just like flowing and going and doing whatever. I wouldn't, I don't, it's weird. I don't necessarily think creativity sometimes is working on my computer because it does feel a little bit like, even though I'm creating it, I don't know, it doesn't feel freeing. Like it doesn't feel, uh, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's disconnected from what I'm actually trying to do where this feels like, client work, even if it's not client work, if that makes sense, because it's the thing that I do every day. And I think it's like, I'm with you with the whole changing the the scenery, because I think I've noticed, especially with the pandemic, like, you know, we were under, under lockdown for a really long time. And 
at first it's like, oh, so great to stay home and it's so great to not have plans and it's so great to be a little bit of a hermit and just do your own thing. And it's lovely to start with for the first couple of months and then, <laughs> and then you start kind of going a bit crazy. And I have noticed that now we're kind of coming out of, I think it was like the third wave. Yeah, the third wave of COVID here. And we're a lot more freer now. We, I, I, I like, they're starting to let down some of the rules and it's been hard because it's still a bit scary. It's still a bit like, oh, you know, you gotta be careful. But then it's also like, how much more of my life can I sacrifice? Like, if it's okay to do so now, like, let's just, I'm not saying go wild, but it's just been so different just to be able to go out for dinner. <laughs> like, it's just dumb shit like yeah. that where you're like, oh, this is so nice. This is a new venue. I haven't tried this since COVID. Like, it's it's those little things that I think we really don't, we, I don't want to say we take for granted, but we in, we're not present when we're doing those things most of the times. And so we don't really engage with it. Yeah, we don't realize how much that really shaped our day to day and how important those little breaks and outings and exposure truly is. And yeah, I think we're all collectively felt that and we're all just so ready. I'm I'm so ready. And I we moved during a pandemic and I was talking to my husband last night. I was like, did we overreact? <laughs> like <laughs> we were so craving such a, a change and what felt like such a, such a suffocating time that we just went up and moved to a different state. So it manifests itself in so many different ways. And I think that um, with creativity, there's kind of like this feeling in you that you're like, oh, I can't, I can't do it right now. Why? I need to, I need to get out of this situation. And I still need to do the work, but like, let's just do the work somewhere else. Like, you know, do the work in a cabin in a woods, like do the work at the library, be around people. I find I work my best when I'm at a coffee shop because there's like this collective energy of like, we're all working or, you know, get a job at a co-working space or, or desk at a co-working space. How can you, where do you find that you work the best? Because I think it's hard when we're all working from home and we have all these distractions. Um, it, it's hard to find our flow in that. <laughs> you know, there's dishes on that can be done. There's laundry that can be done. I mean, there's rooms to be decorated. Like it's it's so hard to to separate the two. Absolutely. Like what inspires you? What inspires your work? I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. I I really I really don't know. Um, I can tell you what inspires me now. We bought this 1950s uh, mid-century house by Ralph Haver. And I'd like to think that there's like a quirky mid-century-ness to my work. It's definitely the area that I feel. Yes, 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 I yes. Love. Absolutely. Um, I totally feel that. Yeah, I feel like that's like what I gravitate towards um, interior-wise and just like aesthetic-wise, just anything of the era, anything decaying and that has history and you know a tonality to it um I love form and function of that era too of like just everything seemed just really well made and you know stands the test of time um I'm just really interested in just anything retro and we can never underestimate a good record cover design right like oh my gosh yeah. sometimes it's just you know we we got a record player. So the reason why we got a record player was because we went to Maui. This was before the pandemic. Went to Maui and were, I'm not sure if you've been to Maui, but there's the Fleetwood Mac 
restaurant. It's, I think it's called Fleetwoods. Fleetwoods in Lahaina. And they have an actual, uh, like a, a music memorabilia shop down below the restaurant. Restaurant's amazing, by the way, highly recommend. And it's just full of beautiful, like retro photography that's like just beautifully framed and like all these candid moments with like the Beatles and, you know, things like that. And um, I bought the Rumors LP that was signed and all of that. And we had this record sitting there and I was just like, we really need to get record player. Like, what's the point of this, you know? We finally got one and it's so crazy how you just kind of gravitate towards the record bin (laughs) at the thrift shop. And like, you can just stand there. Like I have so many pictures in my phone from typography to layouts to just like themes and ideas. And, you know, I know that art, like music art is, you know, big anyway, but it's, I don't know what it is. It's like a whole different realm of design and things were obviously a lot more uh, analog back then in the sense of having to design and make these things. And so I think it's like really eye-opening to think, you know, these people were creating such crazy trippy shit when they didn't have Adobe, you know what I mean? They didn't have all these. I know it's amazing. And that just goes to show you that you don't need a program to have some dope ass design. Like you don't need the fancy tools. And I really can't even keep up with all the technology, honestly. And I still sketch stuff and take pictures of it and put it into Illustrator and vectorize it old school ways. Like you don't really need to have all the fancy stuff. Um, If you have an idea and, you know, some perseverance to get it done, to see it to fruition, then yeah, you really don't need all the the stuff. And I think that, like you said, that era really, you know, kind of tested like what you can do. And even watching like I, with the kids, like I'll watch like the old, like Willy Wonka and just how they did stop motion and how they made these sets that are just so basic. Like we can make these sets and they did it and it it told a story in a way that was so human. And I think that um, I gravitate to that humanness that I think that we're missing in this over-digitized world. And I really want, and I think I try to, in my design, have some sense of like humanness, um, even though it is digital and clean and crisp. But I think there's a way in like looking at old retro furniture, just like the shape and the curvatures and Um, the composition of it and their approach to things is so unique and special and iconic that it's just it's hard not to be inspired by it I guess like on that with the digital stuff I think we also are just constantly trying to achieve and maintain perfection I think that's a really big part of design at the moment and you know just thinking about when people are you know in the situation where people were designing analog you know, mistakes were bound to happen and there was some humanness, like, you know, a fingerprint or, you know, something like that, that really does bring in the fact that, you know, this is literally someone just free-forming, you know? Can I tell you a story on that, which about humanness? I had a client and I noticed that there was a typo and like she took, she was excited and she screenshot um, one of like the presentations I sent her and she made it like an Instagram post and there was a typo on it. And I told her that and she's like, it was like furniture was spelled wrong. She's like, oh, well, we don't do used. And I sent her like the proper one and she's like, fuck it. So it's spelled wrong. Like, is it the end of the world that there's a typo in this? Like, okay, we're human and this is a human thing that's created. You know, not not caring and being so like 
just worried about what people think about every little nitpicky thing is going to paralyze you to ever, you know, produce or make anything. And, you know, a typo is not the end of the world. A little vector out of place is not the end of the world. So they didn't line up and it's not centered. Like we're humans doing it. We can't, I mean, we've been staring at this and moving it for so long. There's bound to be a mistake. This is so refreshing. I'm just like, just drench me in all of this refreshment. I think also I wanted to share with you. So my, um, my husband, he does set design for TV and film. And uh, so he's been doing a lot of like 3D render, rendering, uh, CAD design, you know, that kind of stuff, digital sets essentially. And he watches this, this uh, YouTube series. I can't remember what it's called, but they essentially are like uh, CGI creators for movies. And they sit there and analyze all of the older movies, CGI, video effects, after effects, you know, and just like, you know, things from the 60s, the 50s, like the 20s, like how they did like stop motion, for instance. And also, um, I think it was Hook. It was either Peter Pan or Hook. But the, I don't know if you remember that movie very well, but like the island that they, that Peter Pan flies to, it's Robin, I think it's Hook, Robin Williams flies to. It was actually a beautiful, um painting and they did it in such a way that it was 3d so like if they just change the direction of the camera it changed like you know it was perspective stuff it was really fucking clever shit that we now no longer have to think about anymore because there's a software to do it for us right and i think that that basic concept like i when i was growing up I I thought as art is just like this magical thing. Like I couldn't do that. Like, how are they doing that? You know? And I think we've, I mean, I still wonder that. I don't want to say we've lost that because that's really pessimistic. And I don't think we do. I think we're blooming with creativity, but yeah, there's something to be said about those old movies and how they approach things that I think is super special. And it's, and so inspiring and super creative. Like there's, and so creative creative problem solving and just thinking about things in total different way than the really obvious solution. You know what I mean? Like just even like Elf, I don't know if you know about the perspective shooting that they did on the movie Elf where, you know, where Will Ferrell's sitting at the table along with a whole bunch of kids. It was actually based on, uh, I think it was like 60s perspective principles of filming. So he was actually sitting in this room with them, but they had essentially built up like a little platform and they shot it from an angle. So it looked like he was, and it's like shit like that that you think like why did i think of that like like it's just it's just silly things that well then it's just like okay well how can i use that exactly how can i play with perspective in a way that's interesting exactly Um, exactly so i want to finish up with asking you what your number one piece of advice for creatives is like trying to find their own unique style and just doing it their way yeah i think that if you're pursuing graphic design, I think that, or branding, I don't even know what the proper word for it is now. What are we? What are we? We're creative professionals. Um, we could That's say we are. are visual communicators. Yeah, visual communicators, <laughs> creative professionals. I think you have to keep in mind that this is a service-based industry so that, you know, as much as you're pumping up your portfolio with, you know, kind of hypothetical projects, you really, really, really need to start working with people. 
So even if it's working for your friends and they pay you $100, like, hey, that's work and you're working with a human. So how can you do that and do that consistently and get comfortable and kind of learn about boundaries and learn about how much you can take on and communicating and talking about your design? I think that's going to be the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself. I think we really misunderestimate the power of boundaries. I just want to add on that one because I think when we graduate, we do have this mindset that, well, I mean, I had this mindset and I think most people do of having boundaries means that you're a hard ass or, you know, you won't do anything. You're not easily accessible or available. And I think those are things where it's like, no, that's just shit. Like you people will walk all over you if you don't have boundaries. I will yeah. tell you that. And I've made that mistake in the beginning and worked weekends and emailed weekends. You can write that email on a weekend, but don't send it until Monday. Like, just don't. You, it, it, There's no law saying that you can't work on the weekends, but your client doesn't need to know that. And if you open up that Pandora's box, like, don't be surprised if they, you know, start emailing you then. And then you're like, well, wait, well, you started it. So yeah, set those boundaries for yourself, but also work with humans. Mm. You have to work with people. This is a service-based industry. And if you cannot get over that, fear of connecting and collaborating with people. Um, it's scary. I've been there. I still struggle with it. Like you just got to, you know, persistence and keep doing it. And it gets less scary and less overwhelming. And you kind of learn about, you know, different humans along the way, which is, you know, very important. Michelle, thank you so much. I love this. This was great. Let's keep talking. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the love and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify where you can subscribe and follow along too. And I'm also over on Instagram at at thiscreativelife.podcast sharing some good stuff. Until next time, keep creating.